All right. In today's episode of the Money Lab, we get to talk about money stories around drowning in debt and paying for gas in pennies. All right, welcome to the Money Lab podcast, episode number ninety-three: the paying for gas with pennies money story. All right, welcome to the Money Lab podcast. I'm your host Wei Hong, and this is the podcast where we talk about money stories, tips, strategies, and interviews with some amazing people, so that you can be inspired to create a lifestyle free of bad money stories, money anxiety, and stress. There is a complimentary book. Ebook that goes with the show. It's called "From Money Anxiety to Six Figure Mastery." Make sure you go to go.thesixfigureacademy.com and get it there. It's the perfect complement to all the things we discuss on the show. It's free, and quite frankly, we've been told that it could change your life. Now, while you're there, subscribe so that you don't miss an episode and can catch us every week. For all of the ways to find us, go to thesixfigureacademy.com/radio for all the details. And if there's something you love about what you hear on this episode today, I, and I pretty much can. Guarantee you will, and that you know that what you hear could help someone you care about. Remember, sharing is caring. So share the show with that person. So I'm really excited about our guest today. Our guest is Cliff Ravenscraft, and basically, what I'm so excited about because a little bit selfishly. So if you don't get anything out of it, at least hopefully I'm looking forward to get something out of it. He is a business mentor. He is a life coach. He is a motivational speaker. A man after my own heart. I mean, he mentors coaches, consultants, and thought leaders through. Transitioning from their fulfilling day job into their own responsible and profitable online business, so that they can live the life of their dreams. And who doesn't want to do that? Do the work they feel most called to do, which is which is so easy to do in this day and age, and we're in the world that we live in. And so, and I think I think it started in 2005 when when Cliff did his podcasting thing. But before I get too far deep into just kind of reading off his bio, why don't we welcome Cliff to the show? Welcome, Cliff. Way, thank you so much for the privilege and honor of being here. I am so excited about the conversation you and I are about ready to have. Yeah, me too. Because I know when when I got introduced to you through, I think it was Jane. No, was it Jennifer? Jennifer Harshman, maybe Priest. I don't know. Anyway, a couple somebody. Of we don't comment, I'm <laughs> yeah, sure. Exactly on Facebook, and this is what's so cool about the world we live in is that you know you never know who you're going to get to connect with, you know. And when I got a chance to kind of dive in a little bit to kind of see what you're all about, I got really excited and immediately posted, "Hey, I would love to have you on the show, and thank you for agreeing to come on, coming onto the show." I mean, I, I think you've been on this podcast interview train for 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 a couple months now. <laughs> I have, yes, and and it's exciting. I, I tell you, there's nothing more powerful to get a message out into the world than to be a guest on other people's podcasts. Because、yeah. people like you, Wei, have you've invested countless hours of your life into building this community.、Uh, you've developed content consistently for them. You consistently show up. You provide a a valuable message. People have come to know, like, and trust you. And the fact that you have trusted me to to sh- and and Enough to say, I want you guys to hear from this guy. That that already brings me so much credibility to the table. Even though nobody, even though very few people in your audience may have ever heard of me before, I'm already put at a level of I think I might be able to trust this guy. I, I'm gonna I'm going to be more open and more receptive to his message 
than if I was to just tune into his show randomly. Yeah. And I just found it in the, you know, new and noteworthy or or the top ten or whatever. It's like, no, I seriously, way I trust him and he invited Cliff. So that means a lot to me. Yeah. Well, they're gonna get to know a lot more about you now. And one of the best ways is to kind of know just to understand just how human you are, because despite your success and creating years of podcasts and and growing your business and taking yourself to a whole new level, sometimes people forget that we all had to start somewhere. And oh, as dude, I'm still at the beginning. <laughs> I just my beginning might look pretty darn awesome to where you are, but as far as I'm concerned, I hope that I hope that I've nowhere near arrived. And I've and, and the life I live today is beyond my wildest imagination ten, twenty years ago. But still, as far as I'm concerned, I'm still human and I'm 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 learning from people like you and everyone else. Yeah. I love that piece. So let's talk a little bit about your money story. Let's get that out of the way because you know, this is what this show is all about, because everybody grows up with some kind of money story that we actually have to confront. Uh, come to reconcile with and move forward so that we can take our life and our dreams as you help people do to that whole new level to make that a reality. So what what was the money story that you grew up with that you had to kind of deal with? I mean, I know the title of today's episode is about paying <laughs> paying for your gas with pennies, which I can absolutely relate to because I actually had to pay with for a meal to stay alive with pennies, but paying for gas with pennies, oh my God, I mean, I can't even imagine. So let's talk about that story. What was the money story that you grew up with that, you know, that? Well, first, I think it's important for me to tell you that I grew up uh, with my mom and dad pretty much struggling for cash growing up. So things were really tight. I remember a lot of arguments about money when I was a kid, uh-huh. and that that kind of instilled some very important things called beliefs inside of me about money, that money, you know, money, if, if you save for things that you want, that you don't need, that causes strife in marriages. And so I had some beliefs around that. The other thing is, is I had this scarcity mindset because I knew how tight things were. And the, and by the way, my mom and dad are doing well today. They're, they're, they're retired. Oh, good. <laughs> they've made their millions and millions. Uh, but this is not their money story. It's mine. I know. So, so we'll, we'll interview them for another episode. How about that? <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. So the thing is, though, is that um, but when I was young, you know, that things were things were really bad financially. And the one great thing I got from my dad, but it's also something that has worked both for me and a lot against me, is that my dad was a workaholic and mm. and uh he had a very strong worth work ethic and that worked for me in that I have a very strong work ethic, right. but it worked against me in that this is, this, this isn't my health journey, but I, part of my money pursuit and everything else in my early days, along with all my other beliefs caused me a lot of problems with money. I figured the way to resolve that was to work hard and oh, to become yeah. a workaholic. And that seemed like the responsible way that you provide for a family. And so that I'm getting way far ahead, but I just want to, I, I feel like, there has to be some kind of foundation for this story to understand, to build from, if that's okay. Sure, totally. So, so what I will tell you is that, you know, I, I start working when I'm 16 years old, at least officially with a W-2, my first job at McDonald's. And I live this employee lifestyle throughout my high school age. You know, I'm, I'm working random jobs here and there. I, at one point, I was installing hardwood floors. I got all these just random jobs. I, I actually became the manager of a beeper store some people don't even know what beepers are They're oh pager. you were a manager of a pager store i was i managed a pager store i worked in a sign shop 
I literally created vinyl lettering for uh, cars and graphics and, and made big signs, all kinds of signs, any kind of sign, except for neon. I didn't do neon signs. But so, and I worked as a customer service rep for Staples Catalog Order. So if you ever called Staples Office Supply at the, and placed your order by phone, I might have been one of the guys who answered your call and took your order and, and put it into a computer. So I, I share all of those things because – I want you to know I was conditioned over a lifetime that you get paid by the hour. And it's uh-huh. this important important thing to understand. Time for dollars type of scenario. Yeah. And and I also came up with this mindset real quick is that the more you hate your job, the more you should get paid to do it. Oh, wow. And where would someone come up with that? Do you think anybody ever spoke those words to me? No. But here's what happens is you've got these different jobs and they say, listen, we need volunteers to do this. And nobody volunteers. They're like, if you do this, we'll pay you time and a half. And you start. Yeah. OK. The more you hate what they're asking you to do, the more they'll pay you to do it if you do it, even though you hate it. And also mm-hmm. I had other things like the more difficult and the more challenging the, the work that you do, the more you should get paid to it. So the right. harder it is, the more difficult, the more it actually wears you out physically emotionally in every other way the more it taxes you if you will the more you should get paid to do it so i had all sorts of beliefs about what it took to earn money and how did you how did you realize you were these beliefs were running your world because most people have this running so unconsciously they don't even realize it's a story that's running and i think that's one of the biggest challenges Oh, trust me, I'm I'm setting you guys up for a big old story down the road. <laughs> okay. The, you, you, I know you titled this one "Throwing or Paying for Paying Paying for Pennies uh, for Gas." Yeah. But I'm, but I'm I, I'm going to get to the pennies and gas real quickly. <laughs> okay, but I cool. hope that we can get behind beyond the pennies with gas. And I want to I want to tell you the time I ripped up three one hundred dollars bills and threw them in the trash can. Oh, I saw that video. Oh my goodness! Holy cow! <laughs> All right, so. Here's what I will tell you. College, I go to college and I'm walking on campus and they have this people out there and they have this free some kind of gift, some gadget. This is back when when if you signed up for a credit card, yep. they give you a really cool gift. Yep. I don't I mean today it's like a t-shirt or something is but no, this was back in well, it would have been 1992. Yep. So in 1992, Discover Card was on the campus of the university, and I'm walking by, and they say, hey, would you like one of these for free? I'm like, yes, I would. And they said, that's great. It's yours for free if you fill out this application right. for this credit card. It's the trap. Yeah. <laughs> the and so I trap. signed up for the credit card. And, I'm, and, of course, my mind was like, there's no way anybody's ever going to give me a credit card. I, I don't have any credit. Well, to my surprise – uh, I didn't realize this at the time. I thought it was special, but um, they give anybody a credit card if you have a heartbeat. Right. Well, especially so if you're I, a student. I mean, yeah, this oh, is yeah. the thing that if you're a student, you get a special allocation and they'll just throw every credit card. I mean, even American Express accepted me when I was in college. I was like, what? Yeah. So here, my, my story is that I got my Discover card and my best friend at the time, I took him out to dinner and I said, dinner's on me tonight. And I whipped <laughs> out my, my Discover card and he says, I'm afraid not. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, no, I, I, I do not support you using a credit card. I'll pay for my own meal. Thank you. And I think you ought to pay for your own meal. Huh. And I'm like, dude, I got a credit card. I'm using my credit. I'll pay it off. Yeah, that was a slippery slope. And my friend was right. I wish I would have heeded his advice. But you know what? I learned. Right. So one long story short, I am a college student. I like 
beer at the time and I liked everything else that was going on at college <laughs> and and all this other and, and I like to spend money on lots of things I couldn't afford. So one thing led to another. Let's just fast forward to 1996. I'm getting married uh, to this beautiful woman that I've met. And I invite her to enter into a lifelong relationship where I will be your provider, right? The only thing is, is my wife at the time had zero debt, had no debt history whatsoever, had no credit cards or anything. Me, I bring a student loan, you know, something like $30,000 in student loan. I bring to, uh, an, a car payment. I had a 1998 Saturn at the time. Uh-huh. A 1990, actually, that's not true. I had a 1996 Saturn. My wife later got the 1998. Hold on, that's I'm jumping ahead. 1990 <laughs> Saturn. I went on. I, I purchased that car with zero money down and nothing due for three months. Okay. Uh-huh. So you know how when you drive off the car, off the lot, car drops in value. I'm upside down in that payment. And I not only have a Discover card, I have a Visa and a MasterCard as well. And I carry about, eh, let's just say, about $40,000 in unsecured credit card debt. So I, I bring debt into our marriage. And at the time, you know, I'm working. Uh, you, you heard me. That, see, that's why I give you the foundation right. of some of the jobs that I work. You know, I'm not being paid too well as the customer service rep at Staples Catalog <laughs> Order Department. So my wife, you know, she's young at the time and she's uh, she's working as well at a fast food joint or something like that. And so the two of us together, we say, hey, we could probably make it work. Right. That's that's kind of like what we're going in here. No, this wasn't Cliff providing for your every need. Financially for their, no, let's get together and see if we can pull our resources. It, it, seriously, it was more than that. Right. But the reality is, is that we, we lived in this hole in the wall apartment and OK, not the worst part of town. But if there's like a scale of one to ten, ten is like the best part of town. And 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 you're like in in your you're in the projects, government housing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's level number one. Which, by the way, both my wife and I separately grew up in public housing. Oh, it, it, that's a whole nother story. That's a whole in, story in itself. Wow. Yeah. I mean, just we, living we, in that environment, right? Oh yeah, yeah. In fear of your life every day, wow. As well. So the reality, but that that goes that's way down in the roots of our story. I mean, there's not enough time to cover all of that. <laughs> but Anyway, the thing is, but at least you're aware of the stories. (laughs) Oh, gosh, I'm aware of so much. Yeah. So the thing is, is what happened was, you know, we're both working barely above minimum wage jobs. We live on on a scale of one to 10. The apartment we lived in when we first moved in, there were sirens every day. We lived in like a a three on the scale of one to 10, one being the worst. So we were about a three. So we didn't fear for our lives as long as we kept our doors locked. That's, that's pretty much. Were there bars on the window? I mean, there was not bars on. the. Okay. So that's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good when there's no bars on the window, (laughs) but the paramedics did show up at least once a day. Oh, wow. Yes. I'm not kidding. This is where, this is our first year and actually first two years of marriage was spent (laughs) in this apartment. And thus the time when, you know, here we are, married couple, we love each other. We want to spend lots of time together. We're both working all day, every day. And guess what? We like to eat out. And so we go eat out at restaurants all the time. Uh And I have developed this thing called a pattern of behavior. And that means as long as, by the way, but I still have a standard. I must say that I've never failed to live up to this standard. 
By the way, I'm gonna tell. I'm gonna. I'm gonna drop a bomb on the audience here today, okay. and only those who are willing to receive it will hear it. The greatest force in the human personality is for us to remain consistent with who we believe we are. Mm. We could do an entire episode on that statement alone. Mm -hmm. But my identity at the time, by the way, is that I will never do anything where I will owe money that I am not able to live up to what I said that I would pay them mm -hmm. and in the time frame that has been committed. So with that being said, I still want you to know I bought all kinds of meals and all sorts of other stuff. We went on vacations <laughs> with money we did not have. Right. But the agreement with the credit card company is that they would let us spend thousands of dollars and all I had to pay was like 79 bucks a month, minimum payment due. I got the minimum payment due, got you covered. Right. I will always make sure, I've, I will never be late on the minimum payment due. If that's all you expect, if that's the highest standard you have for me, I can, I can meet that standard, I will live up to it. And as long as you're gonna keep increasing my credit limit, I'm gonna keep spending. That's my pattern of behavior. Uh, right. All right, so, Basically, as a result of this, uh, we, you know, we maxed out all of our credit cards and we yeah. applied for new ones. And we had, uh, we got to the place where we were eighty thousand dollars in unsecured debt. As newlyweds. <laughs> as well, you, well, let's just say over the first three years of our marriage. Okay, so it wasn't so, it wasn't so new anymore. <laughs> it wasn't so. New. We, we, it took us time to get to eighty k. <laughs> okay. We, we didn't need that much. <laughs> $80,000 worth of food the first year we're married. <laughs> yeah, but oh and by the way and and within the the 1998 Saturn went down my you know I, yeah. I my wife was driving a car her first car by the way she paid $500 for her dad bought two cars and put them together for one uh -huh. uh, and and that thing was it was breaking down so often and I had this belief that it would be more it would be a better financial decision given that I have no inclination on how to work on cars. It'd be it'd be a better financial decision for us to go buy her a 1998 Saturn with no money down, no no nothing due for three months, rather than buying or just putting money away to fix all the things that would go wrong with her car. I had some messed up beliefs. Oh my god. Well, I mean, that but then you get a more reliable car that wasn't breaking down all the time, right? Oh, sure. Yeah. Right. Except That's for the fact that how much thing. did that car cost me over the next five years <laughs> versus the fact that if I really if I knew then what I know now, I could have bought five more cars right. that would have probably been almost as reliable. Yeah. Yeah. What a journey. Interesting. So, yeah. The thing is, though, we are both driving our relative. Mine was relatively brand new. Stephanie's is absolutely brand new. And we're literally at the place where we're 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 taking all of the pennies because we've already used we've already spent all the quarters on gas <laughs> we've already spent the dimes on gas we've already spent the nickels on gas and now we're down to the pennies and the people at speedway said listen we will only take your pennies if you go to the bank and begin to roll them uh, i'm not kidding you so you literally showed up to the gas station with pennies with a bag of, of pennies, pennies. <laughs> I said, there's 250 in here. I, I need $2.50 prepaid gas, please. At least you had a bag. When I did I this did. with food, I had a, I put my hands and I just put it on the counter and said, here. Wow. So that, that's, my, that's my money story. And then, of course, I'm sure, how many episodes of this show have you done? 
Uh, well, we're on 93 today. Okay, so I, I'm sure people are sick and tired of hearing Dave Ramsey's name. But I was introduced to Dave Ramsey mm-hmm. and his total money makeover, and I started to listen to him consistently. He brainwashed me. <laughs> Actually, no, that's not accurate. He helped me get unbrainwashed about money uh-huh. and debt. Uh-huh. You know, are you? I mean, you—you you didn't actually. Have, I, I'm watching you, of course. I guess everybody's watching because it's YouTube. I keep forgetting. I, I'm so used to doing audio <laughs> podcasts. So I saw you. You didn't have the reaction I thought. So are you telling me Dave Ramsey doesn't come up very frequently in your money stories? Yeah. Um, no, actually, it, he does not. He's come up maybe wow. like two, maybe three times in passing because. You know, it's Dave Ramsey has a specific niche in terms of the types of people he helps the most. Um, and then uh, because of the scope of my work, we're talking about we have a range from the Dave Ramsey crowd all the way to the ultra, ultra, like some of my high net worth clients. It has a whole different ballgame, whole different mindset. So there's trend, there's plateaus of different things. And Dave Ramsey is fantastic for the people who are who are going through the journey that you went through. You know, yeah, transition yeah. For, for the that. people who totally screwed up. <laughs> he's, he's, yep, that was me. I told you, I'm no. at the beginning. All of us at some point had to go through that. I mean, there was, I mean, I mean, there was one of my stories where I was so broke, I was sleeping as much as I could, just so I wouldn't be awake and hungry at the same time. So I totally get it to a certain degree, not exactly the same way. And yes, mountains and mountains of debt due to college credit cards. There should be a whole separate course just to educate students in college about credit cards because yeah. it's it's a trap. It's a big trap. It is a, it is a trap. So the thing is, I was introduced to Dave Ramsey, and I, I would listen to his radio show. And, and by the way, I have not listened to a Dave Ra- Ramsey radio show uh, well, I became debt free in 2007. Nice. So, um, gosh, it, it's been at least 2006 before since I've lit. So it's that's what is that? Twelve years. Yeah. That- and what does that mean, debt free? When you say debt free, is it like so the zero with- debt whatsoever, or I have zero debt except for our mortgage. For me, okay. that's what that means. I okay. I don't consider my mortgage. It, I, my mortgage is a secured debt. If I needed to, right? I, you know, we paid our whole twenty percent down, and we've right. got equity in the house. If I needed to sell it, we, I, we, I have zero unsecured debt. How's that? Okay. Yeah, because okay. in it, because we are a debt driven society. So I'm always curious when people say debt free. It says, well, you know, there's good debt and there's bad debt. Like your home is a, is good debt. You know, as long as you make good on it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it starts well, going into foreclosure. That's and then it's not so good anymore. So, so one of the things is like, so I say that I haven't listened to a show, but this is what I would hear. I would tune into the Dave Ramsey show. I would actually go on a break and I would listen to his his program uh-huh. in the car. I it's like I had to listen to this because this was really radically uh, changing the way I thought about money mm-hmm. and debt. And it was actually um, helping me develop new beliefs. And it was motivating me to do his plan, which he has this step by step plan baby steps, he calls them, to mm-hmm. becoming debt-free. And you tune into his radio show and it would say, welcome to the Dave Ramsey show where debt is dumb and cash is king and the paid-off home mortgage has replaced the BMW as the status symbol of America. That's been br- that has been burned in my brain. I haven't heard that for 12 years. Wow. wow. So, and, and there's so many other things I learned from Dave Ramsey. And basically, we started on this thing called the st- baby step number one, $1,000 emergency fund. Okay. So you just create a savings account, put $1,000 away, and then all of a sudden when something happens, and it will, 
you have at least a thousand dollars right there that you don't have to go. And it's like, and anybody can come up with a thousand dollars. Sure. It okay? used to be a hundred. Like way back in the days, like just at least have a hundred dollars in your wallet. You know, no yeah. matter what, that's an emergency. But these days, I guess inflation. <laughs> it's not I, a I thousand. So. <laughs> so, and then the next step was um, debt snowball. And yeah. he says, "Listen, you know, I the, I could care less about what your interest rates or whatever. You just take the thing that you owe the low, the the least balance mm-hmm. that that thing, whatever that debt is." You pay the minimum payment on everything else, even if the bigger ones have a lower interest rate or higher interest rate, whatever the case was. No, mm-hmm. you have to take the lowest balance and you pay minimum payment on everything else and then you throw everything you can at that one. Hmm. And the reason why you do this, even though it might be more advantageous interest rate rise than sure. the other one, you pay the smallest balance off first because then all of a sudden you've just knocked out completely one entire stream of debt. Right. It's like what you just shut down an entire personal loan, you know, and right. and 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 so and then what you do is once you do that, you go to the next lowest balance. Right. You take everything you were paying towards the other one, put all of that over and above, and then add. Right. And oh, it took us about two and a half years. We paid off all eighty thousand dollars in unsecured debt. Nice. I also should say that when in December of nineteen ninety six. My mom and dad in, invited me to come work in the insurance agency. Now, by the way, remember when I told you when I was a kid, we, we had a very ter- terrible financial situation? Right. That's because my dad at the time uh, decided to leave his father's family-run business. See, my grandfather started a business mm. uh, in insur- an insurance agency, an independent insurance agency selling auto, home, commercial, life, and health insurance okay. back in 1937. Okay. My dad before I was born, went to go work for him, all right? right. Didn't like the family business dynamics, uh-huh. and he ended up leaving right after, you know, not too far after I came along. Uh-huh. And then what happened was um, he decided to leave that, and he de- decided to open up a grocery store and laundromat. Grocery store and laundromat. Laundromat a, is kind of cool, but the grocery store, wow, okay. And, by the way, they were connected to each other, all one Okay. development in a very low income part of town. So on a scale of one to 10, fear for your life, you're right around a 4.5 is okay. where this was. So it's a step right? up of where you guys were when you guys first got married. <laughs> exactly. Very step up. <laughs> Thankfully, we didn't live in the area. My dad just happened to own a grocery store in the area. Got it. And, and by the way, he did pack heat every day. Wow. And by the way, those who don't know what I mean, he had a very large gun wow. at his side at all times. And yes, he was robbed several times despite having the gun on his side yes how does that happen when someone knows that you're packing and you're still robbing them because they have a bigger gun (laughs) i was so young that that it but the thing is is now the thing is my dad finally decided to sell the grocery store and the laundromat and went back to go into the insurance of the family-run business and Within a few years, um, my dad took over the insurance agency and his financial story changed, as you might imagine. Right. Okay. This was still when I was a young kid. Right. So this, or I was probably about maybe 10 or 11 when my dad took over the agency. Now, the thing is, is his story didn't change overnight, but he definitely, his income started going up and up and up. And by the way, by the time I graduated high school, mm-hmm. my, my dad is set for life. Right. 
And my sister and my brother, my sister is eight years younger than me or seven years younger than me. And my little brother is eight years younger than her. Mm-hmm. They had a different money. A different story money. <laughs> they grew up in a different way. Because the first, I mean, we we found in our work that the first, the, mon- the deepest money story starts between somewhere between zero and seven. So what you experienced before your dad made that shift. Do you think that contributed to your money story when you grew up ah, going? Hands down. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Every bit of it. Right. So, okay, so my so going back to this, so uh, 1996, December, so it's it, we, Stephanie and I have been married for six months. You know, we, we, we have all of this debt, but we're still going further into debt. Mm-hmm. And my mom and dad invite me to come work at, in the insurance agency. So, listen, you're not going to make much money doing customer service at Staples. And if you want to provide for your family, why don't you come work in the family business? Did you argue that? It's like, of course I can make a lot of money at Staples. No, not at all. (laughs) I I, I knew that that wasn't the case. Uh, So anyway, the thing is, is they said, Cliff, we need help with our computers. And and there's this thing called Windows 95 that came out a couple years ago, or a year ago. And it's got this networking stuff. We have no idea what these people, what language these people are speaking. But we need software called agency management software. We can do quotes on the computer so we're not doing it manually out of books. Can you? Will you come work for us? And I said two things. Number one, yes, I'll come work for you as long as you promise me you never uh, force me to get my insurance license because I have no desire to become an insurance salesman. Right. Number two, if I'm ever the, offered the opportunity to become a full-time pastor of a church, no matter how much less money I might make, I'm leaving and I need your blessing to do that. Do you commit to me that you will agree to those two things? They said, sure. So I go to work for them. And of course, there's a little overlap in the story that I've set up here. Now, you know, we didn't get out of debt right away. And I wasn't making tons of cash. I was making more money working for my mom and dad right. as an employee in the insurance agency as I, than I was before. They, paid, you know, they, they made it a, a nice incentive for me. But still, we were still spending way more. Right. But it was probably another couple years, maybe two years, before I decided to get my insurance license. So I started selling oh. property and casualty insurance. The reality is, is I set up these computers, right? Right. And before, for my dad to quote somebody's insurance, he had to actually take all their information, do a ton of paper calculations and call them back maybe two hours later. And then they would come in and buy the policy, right? Right. Well, now I've come in and I've set up everything. I've trained everybody on how to do everything. And what I've done is I created a fill-in-the-blank form. I said, here, you, ha- you get on the phone and, and have, ask them these questions and write it down. Hand it to me. I'll type everything up, and I'll print out all of the different things. It will literally take five minutes. So here's the th- situation. He's literally having conversations with people. So he, he asks them the questions. Mm-hmm. He hands me the form, and he's continuing to talk with them. I punch everything in, and I have right. everything right. all done, printed out, and I hand it back to him. And he sits there, and then he gives them the rates after having his conversation. And he's landing client after client after – by the way, my dad created the number one insurance agency in the entire United States for all of the companies he represented. Wow. I mean, he was incredible at what he was doing. He was a gifted salesman. Wow. And my dad says, you know – you're doing most of the work. <laughs> All I'm doing is talking to the people while you, he goes, and the thing is, is there's laws that says I can't share a commission with you. If you would just go and get your license, you could just, we could really ramp things up here and you'd make oh, a lot they more got money. The, they, they, they got what they wanted. 
<laughs> so long story short, I got my license. Uh-huh. I learned so much about sales from my, 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 my from my dad. Sure. Wow. And and not only that, because of we were, I mean, we were very high, highly ranked. Uh, for example, okay, so just let's go to life insurance just to give you an example. Right. Uh, I only sold term life insurance because I was a Dave Ramsey, Dave Ramsey guy. And so I'm like, listen, buy term insurance and invest the difference, become debt free, and you won't need this stuff. You'll be self-insured through all your other investments and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I basically was training and teaching people how to become debt free right. as an insurance agent. And because of how much I cared and how much I educated people and how – great I was at convince by the way how great I was at sales and how I define sales is convincing someone to make a decision that's going to add value to their life that's all sales is Mm -hmm. all right I became so great at that that in Grange life insurance they had 14,000 life insurance agents I was in the top 10 wow auto owners life insurance had 48,000 life insurance representatives Mm -hmm. I was in the top 50 by the way, that's in a single year, I was in the top of both of those companies at the same time, selling a few of my policies with Grange and a few with auto owners. Wow. So I was able, to, just to give you an idea of, I mean, I really benefited from learning how to sell. Yeah, and, sounds like and it. Not the, and these insurance companies would actually bring in Brian Tracy and some of these other motivational, I mean, top performing peak performance trainers to teach you how to how to sell effectively, how to influence people to get them to do the things that they don't want to do. Right. And so I, that that is a part of And because of that, it's my income started to go up and up and up. And, up. and so if you want to know how does one pay off eighty thousand dollars in unsecured debt in two and a half years, you invest yourself in a good insurance sales career and you become <laughs> excellent at selling. And therefore, I was extremely well paid. So yeah. I became debt free February 2007 and have remained debt free since. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like, you know, making money wasn't ever really the main challenge. It was the stories that kind of ran after money came into your world, you know, what you did with the money and how you spent the money and your behaviors around money and your relationship with money, you know, based on what you grew up with and saw. And it's not like your parents said, this is the kind of story that you should have. You just kind of saw what they were going through before they went back into the insurance, in the world of insurance, right? Yeah. Now, the, so everything that I've shared with you, I would agree with you. Yes, uh, making money, earning money was not a big deal because quite frankly, and again, this is also a part of my money blueprint, the, okay. the belief system that I had, by the way, um, even working for my mom and dad, I, was, I, 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 I didn't get paid by the hour, but still, I was still paid an hourly rate, assuming right. you're here for 40 hours. And I got a little bonus on some of the property and casualty policies I sold. And yes, I did negotiate 50% of that term life insurance commissions. You better believe it. <laughs> but, right. but here's the deal. The reality is, as I lived my entire life up to that point is that as long as I show up and I clock in and I clock out, I know I'm going to make money. So it's just showing up. And I already told you I had work ethic that right. says, if I say I'm going to be there, I'm going to be there. Right. And so bringing home money was never a problem until... I left my career in insurance. Hmm. So there's another money story that kicked in when you left the insurance business. Remember I told you I was setting everything up for a bigger story than the, <laughs> than the paying for gas with pennies? Yeah. So here's the deal. I'm, I, I am set financially. I, I literally am. 
completely set financially. I have just, you know, February 2007, I have paid off all of my debts except for my mortgage. Uh, if I wanted to, probably within 18 months, I could have completely paid off my house. That's how financially things were going. Cool. Not only that, but my dad's kind of starting to slow things down. And we've already met with attorneys and we have all the paperwork drawn up so that when my dad retires, mm-hmm. I would take over the agency. I would be next in line to own the agency. Right. I'd be making a minimum of $1.5 million per year. That's, that's absolutely bare minimum I would make. Take home. Or take home. Nice. That's take home. That's that's not net income. That's take home gross income. Right. One point five million dollars per year. Right. Hopefully, I would be able to have some people in my life that would help me tax shelter some of that by right. investing in creative, awesome ways. But the thing is, is my my dad was routinely making a bit more. Right. Right. And we won't need to go into fine details there. It's not his story. <laughs> right. But the thing is, is I, remember we're literally the most successful (laughs) agency out there, right? Right. And I'm next in line to take it over. Here's the deal. Remember what I told you? uh, I told my mom and dad was the stipulation. If I ever am offered the opportunity to do full-time ministry as a pastor, Uh I don't care how much money, how much less money I make. I'm going to do that because my, I feel called to full-time ministry. Sure. And if I ever get that opportunity, I'm out of here. All right. Now, the thing is, is once you start making lots of money, you start to see how God can really use you for ministry purposes by helping people buy life insurance, become debt free and protecting this, you know. And and so I I pretty much thought, you know, I'd pretty much given up on this idea that I'm going to be a pastor one day. I mean, they might have come to me and said, Cliff, we've got this mega church, 17,000 people and stuff like that. And 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 yeah, and we're going to pay you sixty five thousand dollars. I'm like, no, thanks. (laughs) <laughs> I, that, I, that's exactly what I would have told you, right? Because I, I, I mean, I knew the path that I was on, mm. and I knew I was having impact in people's lives, right? And not to mention the fact that I was also associate pastor and and preaching in a mega church, right. uh, and also doing I was minister of small groups, and I didn't charge them anything because I, yeah. I didn't need the money. So you so, found ministry work in money. I mean, in in, in terms of like making money in in and actually doing the work you would do as a pastor through your vehicle of income generation. Yeah, through insurance. I, yeah. I mean, here's what I will tell you, Way, is that there were people, let's just, I, I, okay, I'm just going to give you the average, the average story. This happens 17, okay, 15 to 30 times a week. And that sounds like an exaggeration, but you have to know I was a workaholic and I worked 40 to sometimes 80 hours a week. Mm-hmm. All right, because I liked what I did. Right. So is it so, really called working then? If you liked what you did... Is yeah, it really I don't know. called working? Yeah, it was a lot of work. It, it was emotionally taxing. And so therefore, my belief about work and adding value, it was a lot of work. It drained me. And uh, okay. and so, yeah. And it, and I sacrificed some other things that I would have preferred doing. Got it. But, but I, you know, anyway. So here's what I will tell you. The average time, 15, 30 times a week, there's a 24-year-old guy sitting across from me. Mm-hmm. Cliff, I just bought a brand new uh, Ford Mustang. I know it's going to cost me a lot of money. How much is this thing going to cost me? Can you give me a quote on, on this insurance? Sure. So I do this and stuff like that. And it's like, listen, it's, it, it, yeah, it's, it's enough. Here's the $1,000, 500, 250 deductibles, blah, 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 stuff like that. I, I sat there, I said, first of all, um, do you own a house? No, we rent. Okay. Okay. So are you married? Yes. Have any kids? Yeah, we have uh, one and one on the way. Wow. Oh, wow. Do you have any debt? <laughs> yeah. And so I get to hear their money story, right? Right. 
And and then I'm like, so um, does your wife work for, work or you know how how are you guys uh, covered? You know to take care of that debt if something were to happen to you. He's just, what do you mean? Said, well, what if you get into this Mustang and somebody you know unbeknownst to you crosses the head the the road and they're drunk and they hit you head on and you you die in this brand new car you just bought. How does your wife take care of the financial situation that you're in right now? Mm-hmm. Like, I never thought about that. Said, how much debt do you have? And we would go through it. And I said, so let me ask you this. If you had a hundred, if, if something were to happen to you and your wife were to receive a check mm-hmm. for $150,000 right then and there, would that be able to pay off all your debt? Yes. Would it be able to take care of the education for your kids to go to college, both of them? Yes. Would it be able to allow your wife to live comfortably and maintain her level of living standard and to also be there for the remaining years that she needs to provide for them until they become adults? Yes. Mm. Is, does that sound some, like something you'd be interested in providing for her? Uh, maybe. <laughs> that, that was usually the answer. Right. I said, how much do you think something like that would cost? Well, Cliff, really, I just wanted to get insurance on the car. If you don't mind, can we wrap things up here? I want to. I just need a proof of insurance card. I said, well, hold on. Let me ask you this. How much do you think it would cost to provide that amount of protection for your family? I don't know. 200 bucks a month, something like that. So what if I told you it was like, it would, based upon your age, are you a smoker or non-smoker? I would ask them the questions. Right. What if, I, what if I told you it was like $25 a month? And by the way, what if I told you that because you're renting, we could sell you an a, a an apartment insurance policy, a renter's insurance policy, which by the way is only $7 a month. Mm -hmm. This is then $25 a month. And by adding two multi-policy discounts, I can actually make it to where all of the other two things are free. So -hmm. you could, if you want, if you just want to wrap things up right now and get out of here and get your proof of insurance card, by the way, it's going to be, let's just say it's going to cost you uh, $950 every six months. But if you've got, another 15 minutes all i need you to do is answer a couple questions for me sign a couple extra applications and it's going to cost you 880 dollars a month every six months mm-hmm. which would you prefer oh and by the way your wife will have that hundred fifty thousand dollars if you get killed in this thing on the way home <laughs> all right guess what they did they they stayed the extra few minutes signed a couple of things and they got this stuff this is what i did mm-hmm. over and over again now, way the reason I set all of that up and to tell you how this relates to ministry, not that, the, that most of your audience cares about this, but I think it's an interesting story. Well, I mean, uh, ministry is important stuff. I mean, especially when you're talking about, you know, God, universe and everything like that and abundance and prosperity and limited supply of things that are out there. Absolutely. I mean, if you you'd be depriving yourself of a very powerful underlying um, support system. Absolutely. Yeah. And so here's what I will tell you. I worked as an insurance agent for 12 years in my mom and dad's insurance agency. Wow, so, it ended up being a 12-year endeavor for you. Wow. Yes. <laughs> I was in the insurance career for 12 years, and I was paid extremely well. I was, like I said, nobody sold more life insurance policies than me. I mean, it, I, it's like, Cliff, I thought you were in the top 10, in the top 50. It sounds to me like other people sold more life insurance policies than you. No. Nobody, hear my words, nobody sold more life insurance policies than Cliff Ravenscraft in those two companies. Wow. What I told you is I was in the top 10 out of 14,000 and then the top 50 out of 48,000. 
What I didn't tell you is that the ranking was based upon premium of insurance right. policies. Right. The average premium of a term life insurance policy is like $120, $300 a year. All right. Somewhere between there. The other guys are selling insurance premiums that are permanent insurance that basically benefit them way more mm -hmm. than it benefits the people that are buying their insurance policies. Right. And those premiums are like $7,000, $10,000 a year premium. Right. That's, and they didn't have to sell very many to beat me into the top 10. Right. So the thing is, is what I will tell you is I sold, unfortunately, I, and, and very fortunately, I, I was on the other side of this uh -huh. conversation. Uh -huh. I, I sat across my desk, sometimes months later, sometimes years later, mm -hmm. with the spouse that collected the life insurance policy wow. that that person did not want to buy. I guess in that, with that volume, eventually you're going to encounter circumstances where they're actually going to have to use those policies or cash in, so to speak. Absolutely. Yeah. So, but the thing is, is so where did my story shift? My story shifted in... December 2005, when I was bored out of my mind and I wanted to do something because I'm a tech geek. I always have been a tech geek. Yeah. And For those of you who are watching the video, you can just take a look at the background. We just had a we just geeked out a little bit just before the show started talking about, you know, his setup and his equipment yeah. that he's using for his studio. I'm sitting in a $35,000 audio and video podcast studio. It's, 1200 <laughs> square, it's a 1,200 square feet studio. Yeah, so, so us, us tech geeks don't realize just how much, how much, uh, how many, how much, how much, how much we're actually carrying around with us everywhere we go. I mean, just my mobile studio backpack alone, and someone just calculated it out the other day. It's like I think you're carrying around ten thousand dollars worth of equipment. Way I'm like, really? Yep. Oh. <laughs> yep. So, so the so where my story changed is in December two thousand five. I just, or actually in two, mid two thousand five, I discovered podcasting. I was consuming podcast content all the time. Mm -hmm. It was brand new. It literally was just months old when I first right. discovered it. And I was already listening to five different podcasts related to the television show Lost. Oh. So I know that sounds crazy, but I was obsessed. <laughs> just a little was, bit. Five podcasts. I was, Not just I was blogging consistently about my theories about what was going on in this TV show. Oh. I was listening to all of these things. And um, I actually created a piece of audio feedback based upon what I called the Thomas theory. And it was three minutes of audio feedback, and I submitted to Ryan and Janazawa in Honolulu, Honolulu, Hawaii, who happened to have the transmission podcast devoted mm. to the TV show Lost. Okay. They played my audio feedback in their show, and I can't begin to tell you what went through my mind when I heard my own voice in their podcast. Wow. I was a celebrity. <laughs> it's like, Wow. That just happened. Now, the thing is, I had been blogging uh, since 1995 before uh -huh. it was ever called blogging. HTML right. was pretty much just brand new. Right. I coded my own pages, and we called them online web journals at the time. Right. So I had been blogging for years by mm -hmm. this point, and I'd been blogging about the TV show Lost. I was lucky to get 100, maybe 300 people per month on mm -hmm. my blog. Mm -hmm. The week after that, my my web host shut me down for bandwidth issues. Wow, because everybody was running to your website. I had I had thousands of people going to my website to check out my Thomas theory. Entertainment Weekly, EW.com, referenced my, did an entire article on my story and linked back to my website. Wow. One three minute 
segment of my voice on somebody's podcast did that. And I'm like, ooh, I wonder if I should create my own podcast. In fact, I, a couple of people suggested that I do. Yeah. So I started one. Okay. In, in December 2005, we created a, uh, a lost podcast. I won't go into all the story except to say that by the third episode, I invited my wife to join me. It was uh -huh. just something as a hobby. Mm -hmm. By our third episode, we had 27,000 subscribers around the world. Wow. And we built that that one podcast, the lost podcast, we built to over 60,000 subscribers around the world. Nice. By the way, Jorge Garcia, uh -huh. Daniel Day Kim, and several of the writers and producers of the show listened to our podcast on a weekly basis. Huh. And and did you guys, did you at the time think about monetizing it yet? Or it was just, oh, just yeah. a... Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it, people, I mean, we had Time Warner Cable, mm -hmm. uh, DirecTV. They were begging us to allow them to right. advertise. So, so it's interesting because, you know, so many people are also confronted with these types of opportunities. You have had the ability or have opened up the awareness over the years of your life to pay attention to when these signals come in on opportunities to be able to allow more money to come into your life. Now, was that there before your journey? Was that there all the time, or was that was that a switch that happened when oh, you? Yeah, I I was always fascinated with money. Believe it or not, I've always liked money a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and you know that I remember, I'm the guy who doesn't have to work sixty hour, sixty to eighty hours a week at the insurance office. I don't have to. We're we're completely debt free. We're we're comfortable. I mean, and I'm, you know, given the, I mean, nobody had more job security than I had and the financial future of what's coming. I didn't have to work. I just liked money. Right. I did. I, I liked. And, and what did you like about money. the money? Because everybody likes money for different reason. What, well, what was your what money does? I love that money allows me to contribute uh, to the needs of my family because right. I, I, I want to be responsible as a husband and a right. father. I want to provide for my families all their health and, and wellness needs, mm -hmm. their food and shelter and nice shelter. Mm -hmm. um, I want to be able to not have to pay for gas with pennies. Uh, I want to. <laughs> That's always I, nice. <laughs> I want to I want to be able to help a neighbor out whenever I see that they're struggling right. if I have if I feel in my heart to to help contribute in some way financially or in some other way that may not be direct money but can I help set them up with something that right. my money would buy for them right. uh, that I like I like vacations yeah. I, my wife and I traveled outside of the country once a year every single year uh -huh. uh, out, debt free right we but we was we had money and so I, we, I liked what money did. And so I would work hard to have that money. Right. Because, you know, there's so many people out there who make it wrong when they have the inclination like you to like to like money for what it can do. And somewhere there's a belief system that shows up that says, no, you can't like money. That's wrong or it's wrong to like money. You know, what do you say to kind of help people reconcile with that piece? Because obviously you've been able to understand how that dynamic is. And I love what you're sharing is that not only for yourself, your family, the ones you love and care about, but also for people outside of your immediate circle, like people that you can help on the fly or, you know, some of the, the events and work that you do to helping your, your students or your attendees to your events. And then even beyond that, I mean, the, the more successful you are in, say, for like the insurance business, the more people you can help because you can do more marketing or you can kind of reach out to more people. Well, I want you to know that it was easy for me to, to like the, and be okay with the amount of money that was flowing to me based upon the fact that I, it, it aligned with my identity. Remember the mm -hmm. greatest person, the greatest force in all human personalities remain is to remain consistent with who we believe we are. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I, my beliefs about money, as long as you 
as long as what you're doing costs you a great deal of effort and energy mm-hmm. and it's challenging I, i'm gonna tell you i i really liked what i did but wait seriously do you know what it takes to have 30 one hour appointments every single week and have a conversation about that and then do you know how much paperwork after they leave oh it, i, I, I only imagine. asked them for five i only asked them a couple questions and had them sign the form and i filled out their paperwork later that that's why i was working 60 hours a week so here's what i will tell you just like everyone else i have i still had money issues i still had beliefs that man the the, the idea was as long as i'm working my fingers to the bone mm. filling out these forms as long as i'm putting in insane hours working more hours than anybody else is working then i'm okay making all this money wow and and but here's and, what i will tell you uh-huh. like most people i would have struggled making the money that i was making if it was easy i would have struggled if it mm. was if it if it if maybe i only went into the office two days a week and right. i was making money i would not have been okay with that because i also have some weird beliefs about money right so so was that ever resolved or is that still part of is that the next no, part of your yeah. dude I'm, I'm so i'm so okay with money now uh matter of fact i'm, I'm gonna fast super forward yeah. uh, and tell you because there's a matter can i just throw out a url real quick yeah yeah mine mindsetanswerman.com slash free. If you are anywhere interested in the time between what we've talked about so far Mm -hmm. to where I am today, especially my first year of failure, like nothing else financially, I left my career in insurance to pursue my passion and my dream of doing full-time ministry. I gave up the most lucrative career. By the way, my mom and dad have since retired Mm -hmm. and they have sold the agency. Mm Mm-hmm. And I and I do not regret it. I do not. I know. So how you're doing full time ministry now. I am doing full time. Oh, ministry. nice! Congratulations, you followed your dream. I'm doing it right here, right yeah. now. Nice. I just have redefined what redefined what it is. Good. I like yeah. that. I like that. So, so I, I I actually run in what's called an, a not only for profit company. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, if you if you're interested, I, I want I, here's what I want to tell you. I left my career in insurance to pursue my full time self employed lifestyle full time. The only thing is, is I had the mindset of an employee. I had some mm. weird beliefs about what it takes to earn money. Mm. I worked around the clock. I almost died after my first. Literally, I went wow. in the hospital. Almost died in the hospital as a result of the number of hours that I worked in 2008. Right. And my first year, first year of full time self employment, the business that I own paid for the health insurance for my family. Right. It paid for my CPA to do my taxes because right. I had no idea what the heck to do there. Right. Uh, And it paid for some software and maybe some computer and a couple other miscellaneous things. But I did not receive a paycheck the first nine months of the year. Mm. And in the final three months of the year, I received a paycheck. But my net income was $11,000. That's a big difference. It was a big difference. It was the most... It was the most challenging year of my life. I had prior to my first year in business, I had never really had depression before mm-hmm. in my life. I had panic attacks. Um, I, I never was diagnosed with depression, but and I never right. thought about taking my life. But me, I had the emotional ups and downs like right. I never dreamed possible. But let me tell you something. I had never been more fulfilled in my life and never more certain that I was doing 
exactly what I was put on this earth to do and that I was going to find a way to make it happen. Right. And so for the sake of time, can you believe it? It's already only been an hour. <laughs> for the sake of time, fast forward, where is the business now? I mean, it, you, you've obviously oh. taken to... So, so that, that business was that business that I started was podcast coaching and consulting. Mm-hmm. I I struggled for eighteen months until I started to figure out this personal growth thing, this personal development, changing what you believe, and invest right. investing time in personal growth right. and professional development. I began to invest in myself, and as a result of that, I grew my business to where it was making a half million dollars a year every single year. Without, I mean, it was just guaranteed half million dollars a year. Yeah. Um, pretty consistently. And not only that, but I trained, I personally have trained more than 40,000 people in the world how to podcast. Wow. If you look in the business category of of Apple, um, the business category, the top 100, more than, well over half of those are my clients. Amy Porterfield, John Lee Dumas, Pat Flynn, Michael Hyatt, um, all of, almost all of them are my clients. I I personally taught them how to podcast. Wow. September of 2017, so two and a half years ago, I decided to do something really crazy. Hmm. I decided to, just like in 2008, I decided to leave that lucrative career as an insurance agent knowing what my future would be, right? Right. In September 2017, I read this book called The Big Leap Uh by Gay Hendricks. And I realized that I was making lots of money, but it wasn't the fullness of who I am and what I have to offer the Uh world. And I discovered something called my zone of genius. And that is Uh me being a a mentor and a coach and a motivational speaker and also a great salesman. And I'm not just saying, salesman, let me get some money out of your pocket. I'm talking about, let me sell you. I literally can sell you on giving up sugar for the rest of your life if you desire it. Which, by the way, I haven't had a, a, a teaspoon of sugar in over 18 months. Wow. Uh, I can I can actually sell you on the idea of working out six days a week, every week for the rest of your life. I started November 14th, 2014. I have not missed since, except for uh, one or two times when the doctor said, hey, dude, you got an upper respiratory infection. Take a day off. Um, but still, <laughs> right. I can sell you on whatever it is you desire that you want to be sold on. Right. I, I, whatever you want, whatever behavior, this is who I am. This is what, so I shut down 100% of every income stream cold turkey. Hmm. But the good news is that I had been building for 18 months into right. it right. to do what I'm doing today. And um, so basically you learn a few lessons from the past and to create a better transition than to go hardcore because it sounds like there's exactly a, it. there is this recurring story of you just cutting everything off and starting fresh, cutting everything off and starting fresh. But here's the thing, cutting things off and doing something that fulfills me more than the other could even dream of doing D- uh, cutting something off, but right. actually pursuing something that gives me impact and influence with 10 50, 100 times more people than I had influence with before. Mm-hmm. Cutting things off that are my true identity and why I was put on this earth. Right. So what would you say now for, is what you – because every step you've taken, it looks sounds like that you've gotten closer and closer or you've learned more and more about yourself and what you believe yourself to be or what, what, you know, what you're put on this planet for, what God put you here on the planet for. What is it now? What what would you say is is your identity now because of this shift, the most recent sure. shift? So here's here's my identity today. This is who Cliff Ravenscraft is. Uh, I make just as much money as I did when I was a podcast answer man, but I never have to work more than six hours a week. 
Where did that shift happen? Because you grew up knowing, believing you had to work yourself to the bone, right? Oh, yeah. And I think a lot of people have that same belief ingrained, like almost hardwired into them. How did you buck that? I I learned it all from people like Jim Jim Rohn, uh, Napoleon Hill, Mm -hmm. Think and Grow Rich, um, all of these, you know, motivational speaker gurus, personal help people. And Tony Robbins was probably one of the most influential people. So... Um, I, I knew that I wanted to start feeling, I, I had a, I started to have this dream of uh, like a vision, not mm-hmm. as like, I literally had a vision that I'm standing on the stage in the, in a, in a stadium. Mm-hmm. There are tens of thousands. Actually the number is 50,000, Okay, 50,000 people in the stadium. Uh-huh. I'm on the stage and I'm not a guest. It's my event. It's me. They came to see. And that freaked me out. Hmm. But I, I couldn't shake this dream. I couldn't shake it. I started, it took me months before I shared it with friends. And then all of a sudden a friend of mine says, well, do you know anybody that's done, done that? And, and he already knew. And I'm like, well, the only thing I personally think of is Tony Robbins. I don't know much about Tony Robbins. Why don't you go to one of his events? Why don't you buy one of his products? Oh, wow. So I bought, I bought his 10-day audio, audio program called Creating Lasting Change. Right. I started listening to that and I signed up my wife and I to go in June of 2016 to unleash the power within in Dallas, Texas. Mm-hmm. My wife and I did walk on fire. Nice. I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, and my life was transformed that weekend. My belief systems were radically changed. Every belief I had about what it took for me to at, provide value to people to earn the income, all of it, I dealt with it all. And I came back and I, uh, had the 10 day audio program called unleashed or I'm sorry, 10 creating lasting change. I purchased another 31 day program called personal power Two, Okay. And that's about 30 some odd hours of content there. And then I, cr- I purchased an very old copy of the audio version of unleashed the power within mm. since 2016, I've invested more than 10,000 hours of my life listening mm. to those on repeat. I'm currently on my 37th, round of those three pieces of material and and every area of my life has changed so who is my identity today i am a healthy physically fit person by the way since november 2014 i have lost over 100 pounds put on 26 pounds of muscle nice i i am a person who is financially debt free and provides for all of the needs of my family and i can easily contribute to the needs of other people around me whenever i feel led to do so right i'm a person who does not work around the clock i get to choose what i do when I do it, with who I do it, and I, I, lead the, I, I allow myself to be led each day to do what I feel is most fulfilling to me that day. Right. I make plenty of money. I always have plenty of money for everything I truly want. And currently, I am working step by step to fill stadiums of people with tens of thousands of people to teach them how to do these things. Wow. Yeah, I know. This is such there's so many little gemstones and everything that you just shared right now. And I hope the people who are you know, if you're listening that you can hear what 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 was just just all the different layers that has just come up right now. I mean, the, the importance of investing in yourself and honoring yourself and getting to know thyself. And this is something that I talk about all the time. Uh, just this past weekend, I went to see Hugh Jackman perform at the Hollywood Bowl and he it was it was it was like a variety show and and throughout the show he was sharing with the audience his story and his journey through life and one of them which which is what why it reminded me of that because what you said right there was he at one point said thank you everybody for being there to help me 
to share share my dream with you. This is my dream to be able to perform and speak to all of you on this level, you know. And I think you're you're currently on that train, and it's so inspiring to kind of hear the journey that you went through. You had every reason in the world to not show up. You had every reason in the world to give up and to be a victim or whatever the case may be. And yet time and time again, whether it be your faith or whether it be your faith in self or God or whatever it may be, somehow you stayed kind of like on your groove and made sure that no matter what, and maybe there was a purpose for you to work yourself to the bone just so that you can kind of continue to kind of pummel yourself forward, so to speak, right? And, yeah, and so I, I'm, I'm thankful, man. It's, I have so much valuable experience to save everyone that I get to serve from. Right, right. And then, and then being able to switch away from that and become a true entrepreneur, which means the more successful you are, the more freedom you have, the less yes. time you have to spend just working yourself. So I think there's so many cool things that I think if you are listening to this, listen to it again. Listen to Cliff's story because you probably there are probably layers of gemstones you may have missed in terms of what he went through that you don't have to go through just to get to where you want to go. So, um, Cliff, you have a you have an event coming up, right? Uh, I do. What? It's called the Free the Dream Conference. Uh, in 2019, it's going to be in Franklin, Tennessee, September uh-huh. 13th through the 15th. FreeTheDreamConference.com. If there's a gap between the the life that you desire to live and the life you have today, mm-hmm. come to Free the Dream. Yeah. If I, there are, if there's a gap between the things that you keep the things you keep saying you're going to do, but you procrastinate, come to Free the Dream. Right. We'll put an end to your pro- self sabotage. We'll put an end to your procrastination. We will bridge the gap between the things you say you want and what you actually have. Right. That. Come to Free the Dream. You'll change your life in a weekend. Yeah. And if you go to freethedreamconference.com, you'll see the website and you'll see it has a little bit already of that Tony Robbins vibe thing that he's been kind of going towards. So it's very, very cool. Um, very compelling interviews and, and, and the people that have given the testimonies of the previous ones in the past. Um, yeah. And then the other one that you mentioned earlier, mindsetanswerman.com forward slash free, where they can get a free uh, Yeah. So if you go or- to mindset, yeah, if you go to mindsetanswerman.com slash free, at the top of the page, it says, give me 60 minutes and I will teach you how to live the life of your dreams. Wow. Bold statement. But here's what I will tell you. Watch the 90-second video clip on that page. And I promise you if, you, if you're still listening to this episode, you must get free access to the opening keynote address from Free the Dream 2018, where I literally th- I take three $100 bills I tear them up into shreds and throw them in the trash. Right. And if hearing that, you're feeling yourself triggered, like why would anybody do that? How could anybody do that? That is a clear indication that there are some deep money stories that may not be serving you in that moment, and you're missing the whole point of why Cliff does that. So check that out, freethedreamconference.com, and go to mindanswerman.com forward slash free. Mindset. Oh, mindset. Mindsetanswerman.com. Sorry. Mindsetanswerman.com. Mindsetanswerman.com forward slash free. You'll see the, you see the links in the description and everything, and I'll probably, um, yeah, I'll just throw it all up there. So cool. Sweet. So awesome. You know, I can't believe, I mean, we're, we're we're over an hour right now and it's like 
you know, I, I think there's so much more that we can that can be shared. And I'm pretty sure that, you know, down the road, if you're open to it, maybe having you come back for another topic or a different topic, because I'm sure there's so much more that we can share in terms of your message. There's so many messages for the, the journey and the, the experiences that you've had in your life. I mean, some of the most some of these really prolific names and brands out there that you've had intimate uh, involvement with to help them. I mean, that's huge in itself. So I'm sure, you know, anybody who's listening to this will, will realize like, you know, there's a lot more to this guy than meets the eye. I mean, the level of humility you bring to the table and just kind of like the unassuming way that you show up in the world. And despite that, the powerhouse that's underneath you, unbelievable. I mean, I'm just kind of a little bit kind of blown away. So, you know, even if the listener doesn't get anything out of it, I got a ton out of it. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, my wife is going to have to come down here and try to help me fit my big head through the door now. <laughs> so, no, seriously, wait, this, I'm, I'm not kidding you. I, from, I'm being serious. This right here is such an honor. The amount of work, and I said this at the beginning, the amount of work that you did to develop the rapport with your audience for those, okay, what is it, you know, 60%, 40% who are still watching us at this point into the video? Right. I don't know. Maybe it's even 20%. Still, <laughs> the amount of work and effort and energy and relationship and rapport that you built with those people to, to develop a relationship where they'd be willing to still be listening to us right now, I, I can't tell you. I, I, well, I can tell you, and I'm going to tell you. <laughs> I could spend $30,000 in advertising and it wouldn't be as valuable as, as what the, the people that are still watching us right now. And I want to yeah. thank you seriously for this incredible gift you've just given me. Oh, thank you so much. I mean, it goes both ways. Really, really appreciate your time, your energy, your, your conviction, and, and, and the love that you have for just everything that you do and as well as what you're here to do, you know moving forward. So really, really appreciate having you now in my life because now we're permanently. Once it's on the internet, it's on the internet. Oh, dude, we're connected now. <laughs> I know. There's no, there's no getting rid of each other now. <laughs> awesome, man. Awesome. Well, cool. I really appreciate it. We'll look forward to, you know, maybe learning more about maybe having your wife on or maybe having your parents on or whatever the case may be. But we can talk about all of that later. So again, thank you so much, Cliff. Um, what we're going to do, we're going to basically, that's basically our show for this episode. Um, again, if you listen to this episode and found this episode to be valuable, and I don't understand if you did not find it, how you could not have listen to it again. And if you know someone else that could benefit from what we talked, what Cliff talked about today, absolutely share it. Make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, whichever is your mode of consumption of information to make sure that you don't ever miss a new episode. So that's a wrap. Have an amazing week talking about all, uh, taking all the money knowledge you got from Cliff today and join me on the next episode of the Money Lab podcast. This is Way and Cliff signing off. So